0: Welcome to Curiosity. This is Carrie Blum, and today we have the honor of having Dr. Sandeep Pingley with us.
1: Thank you, Carrie, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on Curiosity. I am looking forward to many more conversations uh, with you and with other scientists here on Curiosity. So thank you for organizing uh, uh, this. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Oh, thank you. Today, as I mentioned, we are discussing Alzheimer's and some of the research that you have been working on and some of the developments that you have found along the lines of Alzheimer's.
1: Right, right. So let me start off by talking a little bit about the disease and about the impact that this disease is having on society. So Alzheimer's disease belongs to a group of disorders called as known as neurodegenerative disorders. Uh, this this broad category of disorders includes other neurological disease, diseases like m- multiple sclerosis like uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis parkinson's disease and alzheimer's is, of course i mean all of these are debilitating they have uh, a huge impact on human life and and on the so- and on society as a whole but alzheimer's is one of the most common is in fact in the United States it is the most common form of neurodegenerative dementia. And if you look at in terms of numbers, just in the United States in 2020, there have been 5.8 million Americans who age with of of, of age 65 or older who have Alzheimer's disease. So that's a huge number. And overall, all over the world, there are more than 50 million people with dementia, primarily Alzheimer's disease, but also some other dementia. So it's in terms of sheer numbers, it's it's an overwhelming number of patients with uh, this disease.
0: Oh, tremendously impactful number.
1: Exactly. And as the population is aging, right? I mean, we are seeing a more and more aging population. These numbers are expected to go up. And they're saying in the uh, research is saying that in the next two decades, you, you would expect to see... Almost these numbers almost doubled, so yeah, this is in terms of numbers, and and the other aspect is uh, in terms of available treatments for these disease. There's there's not a curative treatment available for this disease. So whatever treatments are out, they're approved right now. They they control the disease to a certain extent, and then basically the patient progresses, and uh, that's it. There's there's no recourse at this point. So urgently, I mean, new treatments, more effective treatments are urgently needed for this disease.
0: That is definitely a, an understatement at this point um, and going through these different stages. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you are doing at Cure Science and some of the, the different drugs are, and, uh, that we were able to repurpose or looking into to utilizing or drugs that have been used.
1: Right. So just a little bit about the disease A pathophysiology, if you will. So as you know, basically a healthy adult brain has more than, or or almost 100 billion neurons. And then they talk with each other, right? They make these connections that are known as synapses. So these synapses basically allow transfer of information between different neurons in the forms of uh, the the little chemical packets that are transferred from one neuron to the other. And this this, uh, communication is known as, basically this is a a synapse. So there are more than hundred trillion synapses in the human brain. I mean, these these are again mind-boggling numbers. But what what these synapses do is they allow the brain to function. Basically, in, in a, like, like at the risk of oversimplifying this, I'm saying it it allows the brain to function, it uh, communicate and do everything that that we do every day we uh, take for granted. And what happens in Alzheimer's disease is these synapses basically it there is a loss of neurons. Uh, loss of synaptic connectivity, and all of this eventually leads to the symptoms that we see in Alzheimer's disease. And the main reason for this is there are two different types of proteins. One of them is called beta amyloid. This accumulates. So beta amyloid is the protein that accumulates outside the neurons in patients with Alzheimer's disease. And then it, then there is another protein known as tau. T a u tau. tau. So this tau accumulates inside the neurons and produces what are known as neurofibrillary tangles. So because of the amyloid, beta amyloid that is outside the neurons and then the tau protein that is inside the neurons, what happens is that these neurons, they start dying. They The neurotransmission, the communication between synapses is affa- affected, which means that the neurons are uh, neurons undergo death it's called basically it leads to neurodegeneration another effect is that the body or the immune system detects that there is something wrong going on over here and then the immune system tries to clear these proteins which leads to and the immune system mounting a response but what happens is as as an effect as a side effect of this immune response is that there is inflammation and this inflammation leads to further brain damage so all of this the effect of all of this eventually is neuronal death and then the symptoms that you see in alzheimer's disease memory loss uh, in, in, inability to form new memories and then eventually behavioral symptoms and uh, debilita- debilitating basically a debilitation and it leads to uh, death at the end so what happens is basically uh, and coming to the treatment right i mean the unfortunate aspect with alzheimer's disease is it's a it's a disease that has been that has as i as i told you the numbers i mean it, huge numbers of population are affected, and this is oh. a highly debilitating disease. So the cost of healthcare and long-term care for individuals with Alzheimer's disease are huge. The total payments in the year 2020 for all it, all patients with Alzheimer's disease was mo- almost 300 billion dollars, and this number does not include the informal the uh, effect on caregivers or the effect on uh, other aspects of society in terms of lost wages and all of that. So again, the numbers are used. The healthcare impact is used. Impact on society is huge, which means that, I mean, one would expect that we would have more drugs at least being uh, researched or being uh, approved. But the last drug that was approved for Alzheimer's disease was more than 10 years ago, wow. which is shopping, shocking. And in the last 10 years there has, there has been no new drug approved for this condition Currently, there are about, there are four drugs approved for Alzheimer's disease in the US and in the European Union. Three of them are what what we call cholinesterase inhibitors. This is an enzyme uh, that uh, uh, these drugs inhibit this enzyme. And then there is another drug that inhibits a different kind of a receptor. So all of these try to, the goal of these drugs is to improve the symptoms. there is no drug at this moment that would actually stop the progression of this disease which 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 means that new drugs are urgently needed to control this disease and to stop progression which is where cure science comes in at cure science in our neuroscience program what we are doing is we are targeting neurodegenerative disorders alzheimer's is one of the most important diseases that we have and, uh, under our program at cure science right as part of at as in keeping in line with the cure science mission and vision in the neuroscience program it is our vision to translate neuroscience research into clinical neurological practice which is why we are targeting alzheimer's disease and as as i mentioned current treatments though they bring they are te- they are good for symptomatic relief and they're only temporary they don't halt the disease they don't even slow disease progression to a large extent which is why our drug development program is is aimed at developing curative therapy for Alzheimer's disease and this is again what we are doing over here is we have we have we are partnering with uh, different collaborators we have matrix teams we are bringing together teams with the expertise in, Uh, in in silico, which means that we are looking at in silico as in uh, we are doing computer simulations to identify the best targets that we could uh, develop a drug against. We are uh, engaging with uh, physicists at uh, the supercomputer center. We are working with uh, biologists. We are working with uh, neuroscientists and this whole team, and we are working with immunologists. Basically, we are taking into consideration all these aspects to develop new drugs to target Alzheimer's disease, that's the first prong. The second prong is what we call drug repurposing. Now, as as we know, drug new drug development is 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 a long enterprise. It takes about ten years to develop a new drug, and it's an expensive enterprise. I mean, it's really the on an average, it takes about a billion dollars to bring a new drug into market. So, I, I mean, while we are We definitely want to develop new drugs for Alzheimer's. In the meantime, what we are trying to do is we are are using, we are looking for drugs that have already been approved or for other indications or that have been in human testing for other diseases. And we'll try to repurpose these drugs. Now, how this works is that there are are drugs in clinical trials for different diseases, a variety of diseases, and they may, not always be approved for those conditions, because sometimes they are just not as effective against those diseases. But the drugs are good. I mean, they are not toxic in humans. So what we do is we go in and look at these drugs. And then we plug these uh, drug will we know the structures of these drugs. So we try to look at uh, whether these drugs would be effective against uh, Alzheimer's disease. And there are different ways of doing it. I won't go into details of that. But it is what uh, in technical terms is described as polypharmacology uh-huh. so polypharmacology is that one drug can be effective against more than one target in the human body and we are trying to we are using or making taking advantage of this uh, phenomenon polypharmacology to see if drugs that were tested in other conditions would be useful against alzheimer's disease and this is also a strong component that uh, we are pursuing so Uh, We are hoping that with the uh, drug repurposing approach, we will be able to identify drugs that are useful against Alzheimer's disease in a much shorter time span. And that the third prong of our approach at Cure Science is the diagnostics of the biomarker component. Now, what happens is, and, and this is especially important for Alzheimer's disease, right? I mean, previously, it was not known how long a patient is asymptomatic, how long the drug is, or the disease is developing before the patient starts showing symptoms in Alzheimer's disease. But today, thanks to a lot of research that has gone in, now research, uh, neuroscientists know that almost 20 years before a patient starts showing Alzheimer's disease symptoms, there are changes in the brain that are developed. So uh, the, uh, the protein that I mentioned, right, the beta amyloid and the tau proteins, they can be detected in the brain 20 years before the patient shows any symptom at all. So this is, this is huge, right? We Yep, exactly. So 20 years, I mean, this is, uh, this is something that can definitely be used. Now, the problem is at this point, we know that 20 years before uh, the symptoms first developed, patient can have all of these changes in the brain but not much is being done because I mean for lack of uh, effective drugs at this point so here's where where biomarkers come in now we want to look at biomarkers uh, from the so biomarkers are again at the uh, the risk of oversimplifying biomarkers are uh, molecules that you can detect in either blood or in, in the cerebrospinal fluid or any uh, uh, or there can be even imaging biomarkers. So we can look at CT scans or MRIs or uh, PET scans and see changes that could predict what is happening or what would happen with a particular patient. Or uh, they would predict or they can help us monitor whether the disease is getting better or the disease is getting worse or it's the same. So that's bio, the biomarker concept or in 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 a nutshell so what we are trying to uh, do at the uh, at uh, what we are doing at cure sciences we are we want to develop biomarkers for alzheimer's disease and that would help us predict beforehand the uh, probability of uh, somebody developing alzheimer's and again uh, if the disease is improving or if the disease is getting worse and then the advantage of this is uh, that early, before before any symptoms start, we may be able to intervene and we may be able to prevent any symptoms from developing at all or we may be able to slow the progression of this disease. So biomarkers from this point of view are really valuable both for detecting a disease or preventing it or slowing it down and also for developing new drugs because biomarkers may give us an idea about drug targets too. Oh, this is the good drug target. If we see a biomarker, we may be able to identify that as a drug target against which we can develop new drugs. So, from this point of view, biomarkers is a critical component actually in modern drug development. So, we, this is in 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 short the three pronged approach uh, that we are taking at Cure at Cure Science against Alzheimer's disease. And then the and the two goals are one is effective therapy, right? I mean, you want to be able to treat this condition, and along with that. The second very important goal at Cure Science is uh, improving the quality of life, because as you know, I mean, many, many Alzheimer's disease patients have like a, a severely degraded quality of life, in, especially in the later stages of disease. So it's it's both. I mean, you definitely, we want to develop effective therapies, but also improve quality of life. So from both of these points of view, it's, it's extremely important. Uh, uh, that we tackle all these three problems the the three pronged approach that we we are taking at cure science
0: do, do you find most of the research being done in the beginning stages of, uh, of alzheimers or are we able to target all the different um seven or so stages that go along with alzheimers
1: so typically uh, i mean uh, uh, I, I, at this point the the, the approach uh, the approach we are taking is we are we are taking we are looking at samples from patients uh, who have already developed Alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. and that's uh, to look for, to, to identify targets for Alzheimer's disease, to identify different biomarkers. So at this point, we are targeting uh, the later stage, later, uh, I mean, the, the the intermediate and the later stages of the disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem, and, and here's the problem, right? This is one more aspect of... Uh, or complexity of this disease that I, I haven't talked about before is, I, I I mentioned the two proteins, right, the beta amyloid and the tau protein. Yeah. Now, and here's the problem, the understanding of the disease, not every individual who has beta amyloid and tau protein goes on to develop the disease. So again, it's not known who which of those individuals would end up developing this disease and which of those would remain asymptomatic for the rest of their lives. So that's one more aspect in the disease biology that needs to be explored, that needs to be understood in order to develop better treatments, in order to develop better uh, 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 drug targets. So that's one aspect. This is basically, it's like uh, you have all the Current currently known markers, but the p- person does not develop a disease. So, and and the question is why, which is another aspect that we we want to explore down the line as well.
0: well it's in- incredible research being done uh, and all the way across the board. And we thank you for sharing that with us today, Sandy. And- Absolutely,
1: thank you. And I I, I feel privileged to be a part of this research field. Uh, that it's it's a it's 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 an opportunity to contribute in some way and up, help move the needle on this disease.
0: And as you mentioned, it it affects not just the patient itself, but the caregivers, the family, and everybody around them as well. Um, and the numbers, as it, financially as well as those that are hit, is staggering. It's absolutely exactly. staggering. So the it's impressive the research that is being done. What are the next steps in the progress and in, in, in moving forward? What are you, what do you see your next steps and and where do you hope to or how do you hope to accomplish them?
1: So while we are moving on all three aspects, uh, the three aspects that I de- I mentioned drug development, drug repurposing, and biomarker development, I think the most important or the the fastest develop uh, moving. A uh, part of a uh, part is uh, biomarker development. I feel that would be important because it would contribute to both identifying new targets for drug development, also for drug repurposing, and it will help track the disease, maybe understand disease biology a little bit better, and see which which are the patients who would progress faster versus who would remain stable longer, and all of the questions that currently. I have baffled neuroscientists about why uh, some some of these, the same biomarkers, or not bio, the same markers uh, that are seen in two individuals, why one of them progresses versus one doesn't. So I think the uh, first aspect that we are rapidly moving on is the biomarker development aspect. And
0: are you working more in the imaging or more in the uh, blood imaging? Oh. And-
1: Right, so our our focus is on developing biomarkers in the cerebrospinal fluid and in blood. So, and then we are, of course, correlating those with imaging biomarkers. So we we want to, of course, have, we are developing and evaluating our biomarkers in CSF and blood. And then we look at corresponding images. So for example, pet imaging or there are other imaging data available from these uh, patients and we'll compare them and they would help us understand uh, disease progression, the effect of different kinds of treatments on these these biomarkers. So that's where we are headed. So we are primarily using cerebrospinal fluid and blood uh, to develop our biomarkers.
0: Excellent, excellent. Again, thank you so much uh, for sharing this and and going through it step by step. And as as I know, there is, or as you have stated, there is not a cure for this. And um, currently, at uh, more than five point eight million people in the U.S. are affected by this at sixty five and older, as you have said. And that again is a staggering, staggering number.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm and I'm I hope uh, I'm I'm hoping, and I'm 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 really optimistic. And uh, uh, that we I can come back uh, at Curiosity uh, sometime soon and have some positive news for you.
0: We look forward to having you again. And thank you again, Dr. Pingley. It's been a pleasure. Have a nice thank afternoon.
1: You. Yep. Thank you. Thank Bye. you.
0: Thank you for joining us with Curiosity. If you'd like more information, please go to our website at www.curescience.org. We'd love to hear from you.